Hello, and welcome to Witch Hassle. I am your host, Copper Wiring, and I am very excited today to bring this interview to you for two reasons. First, because the person I am interviewing, Simon Haskell, is someone that I consider to be a practitioner of great wisdom, a profound delight to be around, and just someone I care about very deeply. So I'm very pleased to bring him on the record to you, so you may benefit of his wisdom and of his charm. And second, because this interview is not just an interview, it is also the inaugural interview in a series of interviews. Here on the program, I'm in the midst of securing and recording seven interviews with seven practitioners, each of whom has a connection to one of the seven Chaldean or classical planets. The sun, the moon, Jupiter, and the rest. And so this is going to be a lot of fun, a lot of in-depth conversations about specifically these sorts of direct planetary practices, and each one will also be accompanied by a little Spotify playlist that I put together based on, you know, the vibes of the planet. I've been thinking about geomancy a lot and trying to put these together, which has been a fun little exercise for me. And so I hope you enjoy all of them. I have, uh, so today I'm talking to Simon about Mercury, essentially. I mean, we're talking mostly about his his practice with the god Hermes, but that you know, I'm putting that in the Mercury slot. And then I had a conversation with someone two days ago about Venus. So if anyone is coming to mind for the other five classical planets, you know, send me an email. Why not? But enough said about that. Let us now jump to my wonderful conversation with Simon Haskell about his relationship with the god Hermes. The man is a pleasure to be around. This interview was a pleasure to do with him, and it is now my distinct pleasure to bring this interview to you. Please enjoy. So, I'm profoundly caffeinated. Let's talk about Mr. Zip Zap, Mr. Fast. He's Mr. Wednesday morning. He's Mr. Speed. He's Mr. Deep morning. He's Mr. Catabases. There, that's the plural I'm making. Snaps. Thank you. Thank you. Snaps. They call him, what would you call him? Time miser? Uh, Death miser? Because I'm going off of the the Santa movie with Heath Miser. Miser? Die miser? Dime? D I M E? Oh. Mr. Tencent. Yeah, because he was on the dime. Why did they get rid of him? You, I stopped, don't, I don't expect you to in it. And I guess they decided to put whoever that other old guy is on it, Eisenhower or whatever, who knows? I think it's FDR. I should know. I don't, know. I don't have enough money to know these things. You know, I haven't really handled change other than using dimes for divination in quite a while. So... Ooh, dimes for divination, um, like just flipping it or? Well, I, use, I have some mercury dimes that I use to do some to do some divinations with Hermes style. They're also just like extremely useful kind of multi-tools if you're going to be doing magic with Hermes. We could talk about that more later, but. I mean, um, I, I, yeah, I'm going to make a note because I do that. I was not expecting that to come up at all. And I'm very excited about that. So I'm just going to write down dimes on a sheet of paper in big letters like a child would do so (laughs) you're like when i so for context right like for you and for everybody 
talking to people who have practices with the seven classical planets and their associated spirits and so long. And like what I thought about, like, uh, it's why that I said, instead of so on, I said so long, which is a weird kind of, you know, in my end is my beginning, et cetera. But like, uh, and when I thought like, let's do this, like Mercury and you jump out immediately. Cause you were, when I think of like, who's a Mercury person and who's a good person to talk to about just like talking to things. So I love you, that. I, I adore that. I love it. I love it. And like, also like, it is helpful that you did do that, that very generous and wonderful class a long time ago on Hermes Cathonios. It's true. You know, goth Hermes, leather yep. jacket Hermes. Oh yeah. You gotta love him. He is the sort of the torch bearing Hermes that you see just like creeping up out of some grimy hole in the ground who like comes out in the middle of the night with a lamp and is like, what the hell are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. Like that's him. He's pretty great. Okay. Uh, so like, if you hear like a sewer, lid what are those called uh manhole cover you hear a manhole cover come out ah there's a lot of meaning in that girl yeah no he's got he's got some teenage mutant ninja turtle energy but i think that like there's so like hermes i i usually say hermes but you there are many instances where mercury might be the more correct name to be using super super old god lots of really old history. So he's kind of a god that's gone through a number of different transformations historically. And as a result, he's got like those sort of stacking provenances of things that he like holds sway over that don't seem directly connected to each other, like outside of him being the quote unquote messenger of the gods, right? So like, it doesn't necessarily make sense that like the transition to the underworld and also all marketplace commerce would be ruled over <clears throat> by the same exact God, just a God with many masks. But I think that when I like, I'm not, I'm not necessarily, I don't have the most scholarly approach to how I work with Hermes. That's not to say that I'm not, you know, reading a lot, reading current things even, or going back to really old texts. It just means that my own personal approach is driven much more by faith and by personal relationship with the God himself. You know, you've had a bunch of really smart, really, really like cool, big, important people on this podcast. And I kind of feel like I'm just a guy who really loves this God. So like, that's, that's kind of my take there. Um, that's the perfect kind of guy though. That's you're just a <laughs> boy standing in front of a, a God asking him to do something, uh, which actually, I guess is a question. It's like, what kind of thing would you ask him to do? But before we even get to that, like, what was your first date with Hermes and who initiated? Like, how did this all get going? The, the way that I got involved with Hermes, I think probably was like reading about quote unquote hermetic philosophy. And like, this would be Hermes Trismegistos, not even the God necessarily. Like just some I, guy, just a guy who came up with a philosophy. But from starting with hermetic philosophy, I was like, okay, well, this doesn't really seem connected to Hermes necessarily other than in name. So like, I want to find out more about who this God is. And up until that point, my interactions with deities had been pretty nominal and I would say not necessarily like abstract, but just like only concrete for me. It had been really subjective experiences of divinity. And so I was kind of, my, my life was hitting the skids a little bit. I was 
definitely trying to accomplish too many tasks that absolutely needed to happen at the same exact time. And so I was unhoused in a country where I did not have legal residency and I desperately needed a job and a house and residency. And so I, I got out my copy of Betts's PGM and I started looking for, you know, things that would help me draw business and try to like bring some money into my life. And that's where I first came across the money drawing Hermes ritual that's in the PGM, which I would be happy to give you the citation later. We can link to it in notes. Yeah, sure. And one thing I remember from it is that like, there's a color lantern you're supposed to use and one you're absolutely not supposed to use. Definitely. And you also should have, you, you should have the right color of beeswax and you need to figure out what area root means because that's sort of obscure to us now. And, you know, there's a couple of things to kind of try to hash out. But my very first working with this deity was building an idol for Hermes and starting some practices to try and bring money into my life because Mercury as Mercs, as God of the marketplace is the god of commerce so i originally started out by you know trying to figure out a way to hustle up some dough and like you know kind of like grease the wheels of my life bureaucratically and it did sort of work i mean it didn't work the way that i thought it was going to work because you know you're when you're doing magic and doing it with gods there's some perturbation that can happen where you know the god might say like well, you know, that's a really nice idea, but there's sort of this other way around this thing that you're doing that might actually work out better for me. <laughs> so let's have you try that instead. Interesting. Okay. And when you were doing this, was it sort of like, because I mean, a lot of people approach this sort of thing like transactionally and they're sort of like, hey, Divinity X, do this for me and I'll give you an egg or whatever it is that people give divinities. Um, I'll build a temple in your name. I will kill some guy. I don't know what people offer divinities that right. are not like the dead, basically. Was it that or was it just sort of like, hey, I'm in trouble. Here's an altar. Help, help, help. It was a little bit of, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I always kind of took a sort of like a tinker's approach to magic where I kind of said, I, I have these pieces that I can work with and these are the things that I know how to do. And I'm interested in learning more and I'm interested in trying to, you know, uncover this one part of the picture or fill in the blanks of this part of my knowledge or whatever. So part of it was definitely the, oh shit, I am in trouble and I need help. Because again, un housed without a job in a country where I don't have legal residency. The other part of it was that I just felt like I felt the sort of intuitive somatic draw of something that you know is the right thing to do at the right moment, if that makes mm. sense. Totally. And that's, that's sort of that magical sense that you just get after years of practice is like, well, this is the thing I'm supposed to do right now. So I guess I'm just going to do it and hope that it works out. So, you know, I tried taking that transactional approach of being like, I'll give you this if you give me that. If you get me this, I'll get you that. You know, like I tried doing that for a while and that didn't really, it wasn't, it wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. It was getting me the things that I was asking for technically, but it wasn't getting the actual form of the thing that I was asking for. And so I realized that I needed to deepen my relationship with the God and I needed to understand Hermes better to 
make the magic work properly and to make the whole thing rather than just taking you know one slice of the hermes pie i needed to make a whole hermes pie i can't just like manifest a single slice you know mm. so was that like talking about like what is that process like of getting to know is it like a lot of reading or is it also trying to embrace like because i know there are all these different aspects of hermes because he's been around for so long that there are just a bunch of different faces that are all him yep so some of it was definitely reading, spending a lot of time trying to hunt down like every myth that he was in or trying to get broad strokes of his history, you know, how it's gone from pre-writing antiquity to the sort of late antique period with the PGM into the current day and how it's how it's kind of gone through these things. Another way that I found really personally useful was like finding places where people had already put up an image of the God and like going there, you know? So like, let's say I was traveling to a city and I knew that there was a painting of Hermes in their museum, I would make sure to go to the museum and go and look at the painting in person and see what I could get out of going to a place and like participating in the artwork or like, if you're in New York City, going to see the variety of different Hermeses that are all over Manhattan, you know, right. and making a thing of walking around and saying like, oh, there's one. Oh, there's this one. Oh, we, we should make sure that we hit this one at this time of day. We should do that. So that was another part of it. And then another part of it was meditation and prayer, you know, that like in building an idol, you are trying to vitalize the dross materia of the world with the spirit of the God. You're trying to like open a window to the God through this little figurine. And if you do it properly, you can tell that you have done it properly because the God comes and sits down in this little statue and is perfectly willing to have a conversation with you. And so you might not see his little mouth move, but you can hear the words in your head or you can see the look on his face change through the smoke and the candlelight. Because you obviously I'm giving offerings to wine, incense, candles, eggs, honey, garlic. I've, I've given a variety of different kinds of offerings to try and see what works best. If I'm trying to do something really big, it's definitely going to be, you know, rooster. Rooster is definitely the sort of preferred high value, big ticket sacrifice. But egg kind of also works that same thing just in a not quite so developed way yeah. like the egg is the rooster that never got to be the rooster and so you know stuff like that giving offerings keeping his birthday is a really important personal practice for me that the fourth day of the month however you draw the month is the day that you're supposed to celebrate hermes so, you know, I say his prayers. I now have received prayers of things that are a combination of stuff from the PGM, stuff from my life, stuff from the Orphic hymns, you know? And so like building the relationship, at least for me, has really been about the consistency of practice and, you know, like not to be too trite or anything, but like, you know, say your prayers, be thankful, treat it like a friendship, you know? Like this is a, this is a real being that exists and it might exist on different terms than we do but that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't talk to them in a similar way to how you talk to a person because 
one of the coolest parts slash biggest downfalls of the Greco-Roman gods are how human they are. They're mm-hmm. flawed. You know, they have desires, they have frailties, they have things that they're really great at and things that they're really bad at and things that, you know, to our modern mind, we would objectively look at it and be like, that kind of doesn't look right. Like that, that's sort of some like pretty sideways activity you got going on there, Zeus. What's that all about? You know? And so like. Right. So like, it's not like an Abrahamic devotional practice of like, hey, perfection, I am very small is very much it seems much more like meeting a peer eye to eye or like maybe maybe not maybe not a peer but like like if you go and you have a conversation with the president of a company that you work for you don't fear them like god you fear them like a person that has material power over your life Mm. and so in talking to hermes it's about loving him like a super person like Mm. like feeling like feeling the love and the respect and fear when it's called for i suppose i haven't really i've done everything i can in my power to not feel that fear because i would prefer to keep my interactions with any god equitable and so you know, to my mind, fearing the God is just wanting to maintain a really decent friendship with someone who is clearly more powerful than you are. Right. You can be chummy, but there's also like boundaries of respect. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. It's also interesting to hear you say this because I think I'm so used to people talking about, or I think often when people talk about an altar practice or like an idol practice or something like that, there's a sense of like the thing that imbues it with power is the consistency of like you putting in the energy, like the thing becomes magical or holy or spiritual because it's just been enveloped in prayer in thought for so long. But this seems much more like it's actually like a, a feedback loop of like, there's a, there's a correct way to do this. And as you like mold the wax, you're like warmer, colder. Yep. yep. Absolutely. And I would also say that like, you know, the gods want to see you work. So, like, they want to see you invest time in them. That's the thing that, that is the thing that you are really giving them, is time, parts of your lived experience are being devoted to them. And everything else that you give them is everything else that you give them. But it's really, you are vitalizing them by giving them this piece of your time. Like, so whether you spend five minutes every single day praying to the God very reverently, or if you spend 30 minutes once a week praying to the God very reverently, they just want to see you do the work. Mm. Like that it's like, like when your teacher is like, do your homework and you're like, but I already get it. And they're like, yeah, but do your homework anyway. Like, that's what I'm talking about is like, they really just want to see you consistently do the work and devote the time to it because that shows that like, you're willing to build a relationship with them. If you were trying to befriend somebody who like already has a bunch of friends, are you going to show up for five minutes twice a year and be like, hey, I'm still your favorite guy. And then just like leave, like throw a piece of raw chicken on their table and then like 
fuck off. No, you're going to need to put in the time very regularly showing up at their house and being like, hey, I got this really great bottle of wine. Let's have a conversation. Or like, oh, I got this really awesome incense. I really want you to try some of it. Even if it might not be the exact thing that you want, I think it's really great and I want to share it with you, right? Mm. So like, I don't know. I think the, the a big part of the devotional practice that gets lost to a lot of modern magical practitioners is like the love part of devotion that I think is actually a really crucial component to making a functional relationship with literally anything. You need to be able to like communicate your love, respect, and appreciation functionally. And so however that works out for you is however that works out for you. If you like spend all your time on 4chan, like sitting in your mom's basement, then, you know, maybe for you expressing that love is like drawing a really complicated portrait of the God on some Kleenex before you you know, shoot your wad and go about the rest of your day. But for other people like me, like I would say that I probably get a lot more gratification out of sitting down with my idol and having a really heartfelt conversation about the things that I'm thinking and feeling and sharing parts of myself with this God in an intimate and vulnerable way. Because even if, you know, I can even say, He doesn't show up for every single one of those conversations, but like, I know that he's aware that I'm spending the time doing it so that when he, when it really matters and he does show up, he'll be there and he'll show up and he'll be like, yeah, I got you, babe. Like, sure. This is interesting. So like, when I think about like people making offerings, I'm good. I'm just throwing a bunch of like, here's a generic idea at you. Cause I like, I like when you're pushing back. Cause it's so, it's so instructive, but like people like I'm making an offering of wine to the God. Here's some wine into a cup. The wine bottle is now corked and it goes back down. Like you might actually be drinking from the same bottle. Yeah, I would have my own cup. Um, And actually a lot of the time I have found, for me at least, and other people definitely can do this any way that works well for them. I have found that for certain special occasions, different kinds of spirit libations work better. So like wine as your regular, like, yeah, I'm giving, I'm giving an offering of wine because it's your birthday. I'm going to give an offering of wine on your birthday. But if it's like some random Wednesday or like some random Saturday night and I'm giving offerings and like, let's say that, let's say I'm giving offerings right before the new moon, right? There's a possibility that I might give an offering of gin. There's a possibility that I might give an offering of, like, I might go and collect some herbs that I know to be personally associated with the god, like, for instance, crocuses. Mm -hmm. And I might put them into grain alcohol and just give that offering of crocuses in grain alcohol. It's not something I would ever want to drink, but he likes it. Mm. So alternately, I might give an offering of red wine to the God and then drink white wine myself or flip it around, give an offering of white wine to the God and then, you know, drink beer myself even like, having the drink together as if you are going to a bar with your friends. Right. It's the connection. Exactly. I mean, it sounds like you found a lot of really good things that work for you. Were there any like missteps 
on this road or like, like things you would be like, hey, if you're trying this, here's the thing to definitely not do that you yeah. might accidentally do. Definitely. Don't miss days. So like you got to make sure that you nail the days that are important to the God, whatever those days happen to be. So even if it's inconvenient for you, if it's like, if the God's like, I need you to give me offerings on this day. And you're like, okay, but I'm going to be in an airplane that day. I can't give you offerings. You got to figure out a way to give those offerings. Like a little, little altar at the airport or something. Yeah. Or like get some airplane bottles of wine and like, go into the bathroom and, you know, say your prayers and dump the wine down the toilet and just say like, I I get this is as good as I can do for you. And when you get where your final destination is, give bigger offerings, light candles, light incense, get some food that you know to be associated with the God and do something that is going to align all of the activities that you've put into play. Mm, Okay. That's a big misstep. Not refreshing your idol frequently enough. I have found that there is kind of a shelf life on an idol made out of organic materials, because especially with, for instance, Hermes Thetonios, you know, there's soil in that idol. There are fava beans in that idol. There's like, it's all made out of wax. Like there's stuff that can go bad. And so you need to make sure that you are checking on the health quote unquote of of your idol every so often and if it seems like you know if it seems like the god isn't showing up for your conversations and you know your offerings aren't being accepted and the petitions that you give aren't being granted that it might be time to refresh that idol you have to go through the whole creation ceremony again which is you know, it's not, it's not, it's not a small investment of time. It does take the better part of a day. Well, that's actually something I wanted to ask you about, because when you were talking about like that first idol, when you were unhoused, unemployed in a, you know, in a, in a foreign land, yeah, like that sounds like a situation where there's just not a lot of material stuff you can kind of pull together. Yeah. That's in that moment. Was that first idol? Like, It wasn't like it couldn't have been terribly elaborate, right? It was very, very small. It was something that I could. Like, what is small? Like, we're talking like a Ken doll, or are we talking? Oh, no, we're talking like two and a half or three inches tall. Like, oh, wow. Okay. And totally self contained in his own little dedicated container that closed with a latch so that he wouldn't fall out. And so that I could put him into my backpack and take him with me or put him in my pocket and take him with me because I didn't have a place to put stuff. I didn't have, you know, an apartment of my own. I didn't have somewhere that I could melt down a bunch of wax and mix in a bunch of herbs and, you know, get spooky about it with candles and incense. You know, I didn't have any of that stuff. I, I had what I had. And so, you know, making the idol was a true labor because I had to work really hard to get the constituent components. And it showed, I have to assume, on Hermes's side, it showed how much I really meant what I was doing and how dedicated I was to trying to accomplish the tasks that I had set out to accomplish. And by the way, it did kind of work. I like I did the I, I did the rituals, I gave the offerings, and within a month, I had a job working for Sony 
And they were saying like, yeah, we'll definitely like get you a residence permit here. Don't even worry about it. Mm. So it kind of worked in that that was where like, to my mind, it was like, okay, I can see that this, that I was intuitively following the right track here. And because I was unhoused at that point, you know, there were also situations that were outside of my control. There were things that I couldn't necessarily account for about how the rest of my life was going to go. So I did get the job. I did start making a good bit of money. And I had some other things come through so that I had, you know, a couple thousand dollars come around. I was way more flush than I had been, you know, in the previous little stretch, but somebody else was also involved in the mix there. It wasn't just, it wasn't just my life. It was also, you know, the lives of the people around me. So that started a longer trajectory of things in my life that, you know, played out over the next 10 years, basically, as I got more and more and more involved in working with Hermes and keeping the days more regularly and saying my prayers and building the relationship so that now it's like I can anticipate the needs of the God before I even check a star app or, you know, or even a calendar, right? Because I've developed like a spidey sense for like, it feels like it feels like I need to give offerings soon. And then like, you know, I'll pull up a star app and I'll be like, oh yeah, he's in aspect for this specific face of the God that I need to give offerings to for this thing that I'm doing. So yeah, I I definitely, I'm a big proponent of this like sort of functional reverence because I think that like a lot of people kind of are maybe like, I guess hedged in is the right word by this, sort of like parochial Christian way of viewing, and I mean Christian as, a, as an umbrella term, way of viewing interactions with deities that, you know, it always has to be this like completely top-down structure where like you have to like grovel before this, before this being so that they might deign to grant you a crumb of their divinity and brilliance. And it's like, well, actually it probably doesn't need to be that way for gods that don't jealously require an undue quantity of groveling like if you're if you're the if you're looking to start a relationship with the god of like business handshakes in the marketplace groveling probably isn't going to do that much for you because it's like not it's not the look you know that's not how you make deals that's not not how how you make deals no I would, I would also inject in one more thing to, to sort of watch out for mm. with building your idol or with like developing a practice where you are reverently devoting yourself to a God is that you need to maintain really strong personal boundaries of things that you are not fucking willing to do because there are always going to be like, even like we can go back to the Bible for a minute. And we can say like, okay, let's look at the like broad strokes, quote unquote, Western tradition of like how people have engaged with gods for the better part of a couple thousand years. And Abraham just didn't have very good boundaries. And so when God was like, need you to kill your son, he was like, all right, fam, got you. I'm going to kill my son. And so started hiking him up a mountain to go and sacrifice him to this God. And then God was like, whoa, 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 JK, <laughs> didn't mean it. Um, Maybe just like 
just a tip. Everything else, just keep it alive. So that was a, that was, that was a, that was not, he wasn't maintaining good boundaries. Like if a God is going to be a functional part of your life, you also need to recognize that you have a significant modicum of the power in that relationship because you are currently incarnated on this plane and have the ability to make choices. The God is not. So if the God start saying things to you that you just aren't comfortable doing. You also have to recognize your own personal power to say, no, I'm not doing that. That's not going to become a part of my practice. And if that's a deal breaker, then I'm really sorry. I'll take my business somewhere else. Has that been a problem with Hermes? It hasn't been a problem with Hermes very much. There have been things that like, like he kind of enjoys the risk taking activities let's put it that way and so like because he is also the god of thieves he has said to me like i need you to steal this thing for me right and so like if it's something small that i feel comfortable being like okay well you know okay sure i can steal this little thing just for you and it'll be only for you You know, I have found that to be particularly helpful with vessels that I give him offerings in is that if, if the little, if the little tinkling bell goes off in the back of my mind, like, Hey, I need a new cup. And it's happening like while I am currently in the bar and I have the cup in my hand and I look down at the tumbler and I'm like, fuck, (laughs) you know, then it's a moment where like, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to orchestrate a way to walk out of this bar with this cup in my hand. and. You know, luckily he is a god and does have the capability to assist in making that happen if he, you know, really, really wants it badly enough. There have been other times where he's like, steal that thing. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to steal that thing. That's not happening. Try again later. I will happily give you more wine if more wine would be amenable. I am not going to take a stop sign for you because volvo stays where it is i Um, do understand that it is octagonal i am still not taking it for you that is interesting that the god of go is also the shape of stop here in america what a complicated well he's mr you know both sides both sides all the time yeah also it's just a like a stop sign is really just a pause it is both stopping and going it's just marking a crossroads and what's more What's more material than that? Literally, Um, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, this idea of like the Abrahamic structure being a thing that's in people's brains Mm -hmm. in here in America. (laughs) How has having this strong devotional practice and this strong connection with Hermes affected your work with like other spirits? Does he like open some doors for you? Is it more sort of like you go up to somebody and they're like, I can smell Hermes on you. I don't trust you. I'm literally filthy with the vibe for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can you can you can tell when meeting me that like yeah, there's there's if you have a nose for gods, you can smell it. I also don't do much to cover it up, you know. Like I try to wear orange on Wednesdays. That's very subtle. Yeah. Um, so you know, anybody who sees me for several consecutive Wednesdays will recognize that something is going on because they only seem to ever see me wearing orange. What's that all about? Yeah. But yeah, there have been some things that have opened up to me that I never would have assumed I would have had any practice with. Dionysus and mm. Hermes Chthonius share a a festival season, the festival of Anthesteria. So in my work with Hermes Chthonios, I've kept the festival of Anthesteria and it has a Dionysian aspect to it where 
you know, you're celebrating Dionysus, I think the day before, and then the very next day you're, you're giving offerings for Hermes Catonius of, you know, going to a bog with panspermia and dumping a bunch of beans into a bog. So, and <laughs> saying some prayers and stuff. <laughs> so like, so yeah, I, the, I, I've, I've had more access to gods of the Greek and Roman pantheon by having a functional relationship with the messenger of the gods. I would also say that the parts of my month that are more frequently going to be Hermes's moment, I am probably less likely to be working with a genius Loki or a land spirit or, you know, some of those sort of less anthropomorphic spirits are less likely to come around on Hermes days. And that I think also probably has to do, at least for me, with the way that my work with Hermes Chthonius ties in with my work with the dead. You know, there's a very human aspect to everything that I do with, with Hermes, be it for money or health or working with the dead or transit. There are lots of different ways that are all really focused on these sort of minute details of human life, communication, science, etc., all sort of fall under his purview as well. And all of these things have become sort of granular parts of our everyday life. What we're doing right now, speaking to one another through an electronic connection over an invisible ether through this weird slab of minerals has this very like Hermes magical quality to me because we're moving through this strange collection of media to to have a face-to-face conversation from hundreds of miles away. And so that kind of technological side of things, I think also factors in a lot in my in my personal experience with the with the god of communication. When I'm gonna try to do things that are specifically about the land and about plants and animals, because I do have a, a practice that has pre-existed my work with Hermes of, you know, working with land spirits, working with, you know, the spirit of place in, in a variety of different localities, and really trying to sort of immerse myself in nature without the mediation of words and language. Mm-hmm that becomes much more difficult around Hermes times because he is all about mediation, communication, transmission, translation, all of those things. Double entendres. Yes. So yeah, there, there are definitely, there are, there's a, there's an ebb and a flow to my spiritual life that kind of mirrors the activities that I'm undertaking in that moment. So with Hermes Chthonios. Yeah. How separate is that practice? Is there another idol for Hermes Chthonios? Yes, there is okay. a separate idol. I, I currently keep two idols. And the way that it works for me is that I have one idol for direct and one idol for retrograde. Mm. Uh, I work Hermes Chthonios as the retrograde aspect because I view the retrograde motion of the star as the motion of the star through the underworld. And so working with the underworld Hermes during the underworld motion of the wandering star was a sort of natural byproduct of the work itself, that there was this separate face already there, kind of 
made it work easier. With these two sort of, if they're, if it's sort of like a timing thing, right, that separates them to some extent, right, what the stars are doing, is it sort of that you would just sort of do the same things with one as you would with the other, just at different points I give the calendar? I give different offerings. Okay. So there are some offerings that are consistent like wine, but the suffumigation changes. So I'm more likely to include myrrh with Hermes Cthonios. It's going to be like myrrh and Styrax most of the time. And with the direct Hermes, I'm much more likely to either go like just Styrax alone or to do a combination of things like dried flowers. I've found that he seems to like blue lotus there's, you know, plenty of other gray area legal recreational herbs that he, say, enjoy. he would like a psychedelic, wouldn't he? Uh, he? He would like a psychedelic. He would enjoy that. He would also, you know, he's not going to turn down Kratom. He's he's a man of many tastes. So, um, you know, I've had good luck with absinthe. I've had good luck with, you know, sort of trying to uh, do the, the homebrew blue lotus island of the lotus eaters wine concoction which didn't turn out super delicious but definitely had a notable psychotropic profile mildly and worked beautifully as an offering the wine is a truly gorgeous color when you when you do it the correct way Ooh. does that kind of answer that or? it does but also i'm like because i mean Hermes Cothonius isn't just, you know, retrograde Hermes. No. It's also, I mean, it's it's Hermes of the Underworld. Yep. It's retrograde Hermes with retrograde actually having some, like, semantic weight on it, as opposed right. to just, like, it's not just Thursday, it's something, you know? So, Dang. like, what is the practice with Cothonius given you, in particular, that, say, like, a straight Hermes practice wouldn't or couldn't or shouldn't so i would say that um having a hermes or mercury practice alongside working with the dead and not working with hermes Cthonios is doing both of those practices a disservice because there's not to like use horrible corporate jobs jargon but there is a synergistic relationship that can be had between them god i hate myself so much right now it's mercurial Uh, it's fine it's fine it's highly mercurial yeah i i think that there's look you can say a lot about the translator of souls or the marketplace of life essence that goes some really weird places But in the end, those souls need to be moved from one place to another. There has to be somebody that does it. In my own personal practice, you know, I have gone through periods of intense grief. I've experienced loss. I've gone through, you know, periods of real life trials and tribulations, being unhoused in a place where I don't have legal residency. And I don't think that a... Hermes Cthonios practice would have helped me find a house the same way that I don't think a money drawing Hermes practice would have helped me grieve my dead. So they definitely serve different functions, at least in my life. And although the personality of the God is not appreciably different, the window dressings are. So, you know, like putting a dancer in a different mask 
they will dance a different dance, but the body is still the body. Right. If that makes sense. So what would like side by side, straight Hermes altar, Cathodios altar, what are the differences? What are we noticing? So I'm more likely to put fresh fruit on the straightforward Hermes altar, i.e. oranges, mandarins, clementines, citrus fruits, etc. Orange. Yeah, orange. I'm more likely to put out cold water at night on a Hermes Chthonios altar. I'm more likely to give offerings at dawn on a Wednesday for a straightforward Hermes practice. I'm more likely to give offerings at sunset on a Saturday for a Hermes Chthonios practice. I'm more likely to give offerings of animal nature you know, animal products, animal, yeah, I guess like pieces of animals and corpses, flesh, blood, bones. That's more likely to go to Hermes Cotonios. I'm more likely to give offerings of monetary alms in the name of a straightforward Hermes. Both will accept any of these offerings. Hermes Cotonios is not going to turn down a mandarin the same way that he's not going to turn down you know alms given in his name that's an incredibly powerful offering that you can give the money as the fruit of your labor being given in his name to better the lives of other people in the world is an incredibly powerful way of showing your devotion to that god and i would say that that holds true for most gods that want to see good things happen in the world right but I would also say that, like, I'm more likely to have a a Hermes Cthonios offering out on days that are meaningfully important for the lives of the people that I have loved who are dead. So I'm more likely to give those to give a Hermes Cthonios offering on a death anniversary or on an anniversary of you know, like my grandma's birthday or, you know, stuff like that, I'm more likely to also give a side offering to Hermes Cthonios, bring in some fresh cut flowers, put out a nice dish of water, pour out some wine, light some candles, maybe cut up some fruit, maybe put out some chicken or some salted meat, you know, or some legumes. Those are also, the legumes are a Hermes Cthonios specific offering that I don't give for the straightforward Hermes. So lentil gruel or panspermia, which is like a bean soup kind of thing. Those are offerings I'm way more likely. I have only ever exclusively given those to, to Hermes Cthonios. I haven't given those to a to a straight more straightforward Hermes. And in terms of like, because it sounds like the way you've been describing it, right? Your work with Hermes Cthonius has been very helpful as like a spiritual practice in part for just like processing a certain kind of emotion, a certain kind of experience, like going through a certain kind of difficult thing that all of us, if we have any kind of connection to other human beings, experience or will experience. Like that's just sort of part of taking the ticket and taking the ride, but like of having like a human life. With other it's people being one of the lucky ones yes yes right yes. but in terms of like like stuff where it's like you know because people go to these these beings for like i need x can you do x for me beyond this sort of thing like the thermos Cthonius, how helpful is he with say necromantic work or other kinds of like magic that a person's going to be like 
you know, I need to, I don't know, curse my boss or make this orchard grow better. I'm just throwing like yeah, yeah. associations at you, but like. Right, totally. I would say, at least in my experience, that the the dividends paid on building a functional relationship are much higher than a transactional understanding of magically working with deities. Gotcha. So if you don't have the pre-existing relationship, like let's make a really gross, very Hermes-y metaphor here. If you don't have a relationship with a bank and you show up without any money in your hand or job and you say, I need a loan, how likely is that bank to give you a loan? Instead, if you have money in the bank, and maybe you have a credit card open and you've banked with them for many years and you show up on hard times and say, I need a loan. They're going to be way more likely to give you that loan because they've seen your financial history. They know that you're willing to do the things that you have to do to participate in, you know, the stage four capitalist hellscape that we currently live in. And so they will give you that loan more likely than someone who just wanders in off the street saying money, please. Right. So if you want to involve gods in your necromantic practice, which I am 100% in favor of, you also want to make sure that you have done the things you need to do to have, to have the patronage of the gods. Maybe some people are more beloved by gods than other people. Maybe there are people that don't need to work as hard as I have had to. And that's totally fine. Some people are just born with it. But for me, I have found that it works way better if I have a functional relationship with a deity. There's less stuff that goes wrong. There's less unaccounted for strangeness, less sort of back-end remediation that needs to happen. And also, like, you know, I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say that, like, a bunch of the grimoire necromancy that I have come across in my day has been rather coercive. Yeah. I am much more of a soft power kind of guy. I would prefer to have just a nice conversation. And so, although sometimes the, the flail and the scourge are necessary, I really would prefer not to do those things. I would be much more willing to, you know, pour some blood into a hole and try to have a nice conversation with someone because like viewing the dead or gods or whatever in a way similar to people like I also enjoy a cheeseburger I also enjoy chicken wings like am I am I acting like I am a god who rightfully has had these lesser beings sacrificed for my own good yeah that's definitely what's happening because we are just fine with that level of suffering being a part of our world experience. And like, yeah, I go through periods of time where I eat way less meat. I go through periods of time where I eat more meat, but I also recognize my a complicity in a cycle of suffering and what that means for me and the work that I do spiritually and B what that means for my relationship with death that I am incorporating the material of dead beings into my life stuff. And so it would be kind of hypocritical of me to say, wow, all these dead folks that I super love that used to make the best goose in the entire world, that used to 
cook the best you know, like uh, little meatballs that you're, you know, whatever. It would be really stupid of me to think that like, that it's somehow wrong for me to give these offerings to the people that I love. If it's food that they liked, they're going to like you giving it as an offering. Same, same for the gods. If there's a pre-existing tradition of people slaughtering a ram and draining the blood into a hole in the earth so that you can talk to dead people using this god, well, maybe you should try it. Like, I'm not saying you have to. The mechanics of this then are like, like, just to like, make it super explicit. Like, we're talking about like, I want to talk to, let's throw out a random dead person who would be fun to talk to. Uh, Groucho Marx. I want to talk to Groucho Marx. I'm going to make a blood offering in the ground. Sure. Saying, Groucho Marx, come come hang out. And I'm going to like- Not your blood, by the way. Not your blood. What's that? Not your blood. That's a very good distinction. So blood, something else's blood. Pig go blood, to your butcher. Not? Go to yeah. your butcher. They sell blood at the butcher shop. People cook with it. You can just go and buy it if you're uncomfortable killing your own animals. That's okay. totally acceptable. You don't even need. Yeah. Okay. So you just like you know a little takeout container of blood, pour yep. it in the ground, and you say like maybe Hermes Cathonios, who I have this long-standing practice with because I make yep. offerings on fourth day of the month during retrograde or fourth day of the month for Hermes Cthonios specifically I give offerings for the day before day of and day after going retrograde and then on the end I do the same for Hermes when it goes direct right Mm -hmm. so like bringing it through the underworld and back out again during a retrograde it's the fourth day of the month or the fourth day after the new moon and you absolutely positively need to give offerings during a retrograde don't not do it so we're doing that consistently we got the relationship and it's just sort of like here's a blood offering Hermes Cathonios help help me out why don't you yeah and basically okay that's like instead of like so it's not like a working just like you show up to Hermes Cathonios and you're like here is here is the text that makes you give me the thing that I want. Yeah, you're you're not going to compel a god to do things by reading some words. Yeah, like that's not how gods work, in my experience. They have their own ideas and their own will and their own agency. It just doesn't work the way ours work. It's almost like Aleister Crowley was wrong. I. Thought... <laughs> I I like an expanded view of personhood and I don't know that Crowley understood personhood. (laughs) (laughs) That is putting it mildly. (laughs) You know, uh, he, he was a product of his time and place just like I am. And so, you know, I like to try to get to know the personality of a tree and I think Crowley would be more interested in seeing if he could have sex with it. Which in its own way is a bit hermetic as well, right? Because there is the classic story of uh, the shepherd and the tree and the dildo that he makes. (laughs) Um, I don't remember. Do you, off the top of your head, remember the name of the shepherd and the whole deal? I don't. I don't. I feel bad, but I don't. Yeah, I I feel like that's going to be, maybe I'll put that on the Patreon just in case people are not familiar with that particular tale. (laughs) Um, uh, yeah, it's a zinger. It's a, it's a real, I mean, like there's a reason why crocuses work as an offering. Um, and it's because of the story of crocus. 
So, you know, there's there there are a lot of different things. And like, I'm not saying, you know, like I like I said at the beginning of our little talk that, you know, the Greco-Roman gods have their own faults, their own, you know, human seeming frailties, right? And they're and maybe they make choices that like look really bad to us and they do things that seem really terrible, even especially by human standards. And that is something that you have to try to understand in your own moral terms when you try to interact with something divine because they don't share our moral outlook on the world. So like we might feel squeamish about giving blood offerings to a God, but you know, Jehovah showed little to no care whatsoever about genociding entire peoples. Everything that happens in the human world, or like maybe you could like to put it in kind of more explicit terms, like everything that happens below the world of the divine, uh, you know, will have its own human moral take on it. But the things that gods do, you know, kind of exist outside our moral realm. And so you kind of just have to say like, that, that is what that is. Ahoy, listener. It's me, Pseudonym. Why am I addressing you directly in the middle of the interview? That's because the interview you're listening to is the abridged version of my talk with Simon. If you want to hear the full version, where Simon gets into voluntary possession, divination, mercury dimes, and other cool stuff, head on over to patreon.com slash witchhassle where you can hear the full version of this interview, you can hear a bunch of other bonus stuff, and you can support the program and help offset the costs of making it a thing that exists in the world and sending it out to you, the listener. All right, back to the abridged version. Reverse a whore. Actually, oh, so before we... I feel like we should close things out, but before we do, uh, it sounds like you're never going to write a book. I mean... Or would you? Would you consider it? What if the right press came to you and said, please do it? I'm not saying that like I'm a press, but just like. Yeah, I mean, under the right circumstances, I would. I definitely have enough material to write a book. So like if it's something that people would want, I would do it for the God because more people doing stuff with Hermes is really good for Hermes. And that would make me happy. So, you know, if it's something that people really wanted, if it was something that like, I don't know, if it, if it felt right and you know, Hermes would go along with it. I certainly would. I have a bunch of poetry. I should probably figure out something to do with that. Yeah, put that out. Come on. <laughs> Actually, is there anything that you want to plug while you're being, while you're speaking into literally tens of listeners? Yeah, yeah. Mutual aid funds and find your local like food pantry. Definitely like don't buy anything from me but like give a bunch of food to your food pantry alternately i guess if you do feel like super compelled to buy something from me you should get in touch with the cauldron black they might still have my class and that would be a way to also get in touch with me if you wanted a divination reading you can contact the cauldron black for that okay yeah i'll put that in the I'll, if i can find i can find a link at least to cauldron black and if i can find a link to the class i'll put that in the show notes for people to peruse so before before i i i, I stop the recording is there any last thing that you want to tell people yeah 
I want to tell people to like find a way to incorporate love and gentleness into your like everyday magical practice and you know like find a way to build a functional and loving relationship with the god of your choosing you don't have to but like it might be really nice like it might make you feel good even if it doesn't do anything for you so yeah just like be nice to each other (laughs) i love it (laughs) yeah this has been a lot of fun thanks for having me on my pleasure absolutely 100 percent Thank you so much to Simon. That was a pleasure. And to my great delight, I have discovered that the Cauldron Black does have his class, Practical Idolatry, Hermes Chthonios, Terrestrial Hermes Practice for Retrograde Remediation, Necromancy, and Dream Visions available as a recorded class. So you can pop over and grab that if you want some more Simon Haskell wisdom, Simon Haskell pleasure, Simon Haskell virtue, Simon Haskell joys. There will be a link to it in the show notes as well as a link to that Spotify playlist I mentioned for specifically uh, Mercury. Super fun stuff, super fun times. Thank you for listening. This has been Witch Hassle. As always, our theme music was recorded by Sebastian uh, Bafestem and recorded by Edward Lee. I realize I might have been saying uh, Sebastian's last name wrong. Uh, the whole time. So that's kind of fun. But I'm glad it is the Mercury episode where that is corrected. Feels very fitting. Thank you for listening. Good luck with the work ahead. Mm-hmm.